Turn with me to 2 Kings. We're going to begin 2 Kings tonight. As you remember, we closed out 1 Kings. Now, 1 Kings and 2 Kings originally were the same book. In fact, many people believe that 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings were this all the same scroll. I'd say book, but they were in a scroll. And they're easier when they translated it from the Hebrew into the uh, uh, Septuagint version, which was a Greek translation. They put them into four different books. And 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and 2 Kings give us the history of um, the, the history of God's people really in their rebellion against God's leadership, really in their rebellion against God being their, uh, their God. Uh, as they first Kings reveals them going into apostasy and rebellion and dividing from 12 tribes into two different kingdoms. And then in second Kings, we're going to see them all go into captivity. Because sin will always lead you into bondage. Rebellion will always lead you into bondage. And we have, you know, these kings that God was ruling over. And they were supposed to have a relationship with God. And they were going to the priest. And they had prophets. And they were supposed to be leading their kingdom according to God's word. And they rejected God. They ignored God. Even if you remember, this started really... Uh, First Kings kind of started with Solomon. Uh, about about halfway through it, we've seen Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived that wasn't God. And even he walked away from God. Because every person ever born is born with a sin nature, and they will always be away from God until they surrender to his power, his might, his authority, according to his word. So we see them demonstrate for us Really, the fruit that awaits the person who rejects God's authority. Bondage, captivity, punishment, hellfire. But you don't have to do that. You can surrender and believe in Jesus. You can take God's provision for the sin nature and apply it to your life and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to change you into a child of God. It's interesting that as we close this... We kind of had been introduced to Elijah. You guys hip to the uh, Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Remember his Mount Carmel victory? I think it was in chapter 17 or 18. And then he's chosen Elisha already. We're gonna we're gonna close chapter one with Elijah still here, but in chapter two he's leaving us, and Elisha is gonna become the prophet. And so there's a lot going on. I just want to kind of give you a little history here. Um, they in chapter or in First Kings they split into two nations. It was Israel. Uh, it was it was uh, you know God's people. And when Solomon walked away from God, God told him that there was going to be a punishment for it. He said, "But I won't do it during your time because he repented." So when his son uh, Rehoboam became king. There was a man named Jeroboam who started a rebellion and they split the kingdom into two different nations. And they began to call it the northern tribes, was 11 and a half, or 10 and a half tribes. 
and then the southern tribe, which would have been just Judah and about half the tribe of Benjamin. And so the northern tribe, we begin to see every time you see Israel, that's really the northern tribes. And then you see Judah, it's the southern tribe. And so when Solomon died, Rehoboam, his son, and Jeroboam got in a big war. They split up. And Rehoboam, when he split up and took all, uh, you know, the ten and a half tribes, he said, wait a minute. They're all supposed to go to Jerusalem to worship, and all these people love God, and they're going to go down to Jerusalem. So he made two golden calves, two idols for them to worship. And he said, here's the calves that brought you out of Egypt and told them to worship at these calves. And, and it became, uh, uh, obviously, demonic, and it led the people of God completely into apostasy, and they never went back down to Jerusalem. But there's always these prophets in the northern kingdom speaking the word of God. Elijah was one of them. As we close the book of 1 Kings, Micaiah was there. And if you remember, and this is the sad part, the, the king was Ahab. If you remember, Ahab and Jezebel, um, they were Baal worshippers. In fact, Jezebel's dad was a priest for ba Baal or Baal. Uh, we're going to see Baal or Beelzebub here in our text this tonight, who it means Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Dung Hill, uh, Lord of Death is what it would could be pronounced, uh, and it's the devil. It's age old. There are different names they put on the devil. They call them gods, but every god that's not Yahweh God is the devil. It's always the devil trying to act like God, and he leads them astray. And leads them to do their own thing. Now I know that's a lot of information I'm giving you. But what happened was the southern kingdom, when we closed, uh, was being led. I think Jehoshaphat, Asa's son, was in his 17th year of being king. And he goes to see Ahab. And he never should have done that because Ahab is an enemy of God. Ahab and Jezebel were killing the priest of God. And so he goes to see him, and while they're there, Ahab says, you know what, Jabez Gilead belongs to Israel, and we've never taken that back from Syria. He says, well, do whatever's in your heart, I'll join with you. So he begins to fight. Now this is a problem, because today in the church, there's a lot of people following the devil and acting like they're following God, that they don't know that they're deceived. And then here comes the other tribe, and I'm comparing it, and they go, well, you know what? And this is what you're hearing today. Listen to me. You're going to hear it. We have to lay aside our differences in the church. And all of us join together because the, the, the attack is coming. There's going to be a big war. The devil's trying to kill us. The government's going to take our 501s. We all have to join together. And this is what happened. See, these are examples. This is a demonstration of what we should not do. And so Jehoshaphat goes and joins and becomes in league and fights with Ahab, with the enemies of God. And that's the deception. When I tell you, careful not to be deceived, listen, when you get to heaven, and everybody does go to heaven, but many will get to heaven and go to the throne room and get cast into hell. Listen, that was a play on words. Everybody has to approach the judgment seat of God. But many will be cast into hell. You cannot say, well, Greg said, or the pastor told me. Listen, every one of us are going to be responsible only for ourselves. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. 
And this book right here is what you're going to be judged by. If you look at John 12, 48, I'm giving that quote now because I quoted it Sunday and I just said John 12, somewhere at the end, tells us that this word is going to judge us. How come we can find out that this word right here, God's word, is going to judge us and we still won't read it? We still don't care about it. We still say, well, my opinion is, our opinion means nothing if it goes against God's word. It's evil. Listen to this. Jesus speaking, and he said in John 12, 48, if, well, let's just do 47. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. This is the question that the boys had when he said, uh, when's this going to happen? And he said, take heed, no one deceives you. Listen. We're not going to get to heaven and Jesus go, ha ha, I had some other books, had some other stuff. You didn't read this. You didn't know this rule. He's given us everything we need to know right here. 66 books by 40 authors. He's not going to come up with a pop quiz or something that you can't find the answer to here. It's all right here, yet nobody wants to read it. Why are we in perilous times? We ignore what he's already shown us. And he said this Old Testament is an example. It demonstrates what we should not do and what we should do. It gives us all these types. It gives us all these testimonies of people who lived for him and people who rebelled against him. Now listen to me because we're looking at the nation of Israel, north and the south, and they rebelled against God. They tried to run their own country and be their own authority and appoint their own kings. And what happened? They went into apostasy. They were judged by God. They went into captivity by foreign nations, which is what America has already done. Communist China took us over a year ago, and nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to believe it. And it's really just good old-fashioned the devil taking over our country because when you ignore God, when you ignore His Word, when you don't listen to what He says, you're rejecting God. And when you reject God, you have that which judges you, His Word. There's nothing new that you're going to get when you get to heaven. He's going to point to His Word and say, Did you do that? Did you understand that? Did you believe that? And you're going to say, well, I tried to do good, and he's going to say, be away from me, I never knew you. In fact, Matthew 7 says that some people who call themselves Christians say, but I cast out demons, and I did miracles, and I did this in your name. And he's going to say, be away from me, I never knew you. And he's going to cast them into hell. Because they pretended, they played religion, they went to church, but they really did not come to know Jesus Christ personally. See, that scares me. That shakes me to the core. And that's why I speak boldly about truth. And that's why I'm not ashamed of it, because of his spirit and his word, because people need to know that they can deceive themselves. There's a deceiver, the devil out there. But when you deceive yourself, you're worse than the devil. If you find out that the devil's deceiving you, you go, wait a minute, I'm quitting that. But when you're deceiving yourself, you never find out. 
You just keep deceiving yourself. That's why the Bible says he who hates correction is stupid. Now, I know that King James uses a really nice word. It says brutish. See, correction is the way of life. We want correction if we want to learn to do the right thing. If we know we're born in sin, that we're living wrong, our decisions are wrong, why would we not want to be corrected? So we have the history here, and I went, I went through a long thing just to let you see this. We have the history uh, of all of Israel in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and then First and Second Chronicles is really going to give us isolate it to Judah, and just the, the life of Judah. We get from Saul to Zedekiah in these other four books. And why is that? Because Jesus comes from Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus comes through that lineage. And God still put those people into captivity. He put them into bondage. They went down to Babylon. And listen, some people say, well, God loves. And God is love. And God's never going to let anything bad happen to us. Listen to me, saint. Listen to me. If you're listening under my ear, persecution is coming, and it's coming fast. Persecution is coming fast. The DOJ under the Biden administration, is his number one thing is to defund the police. That's his policy. He wants to defund the police. The head of health that's taken Anthony Fauci's place is a transvestite. He's been dressing in a dress for a whole year. I'm not picking on his lifestyle, but his values are not godly values, and he's going to be running our entire health departments in America. Joe Biden has already signed executive orders, again, that men can be in women's bathrooms, men can be in women's sports, that climate change is real. Listen, the only climate change is coming to this planet, listen to me, is when God burns it up, when he judges it. He says this planet wears out like a garment. It was never made to last, just like your body's not made to last. This is all a courtroom. This is all a training ground. This is all a time where you decide, are you going to listen to God and his word, or are you going to say no? And salvation means we stop saying no to God, because the Bible tells us the fool says no to God. That's what Eve did. That's how we ended up in this place. But you and I would have done the same thing. So now we have the history of man trying to run himself. And guess what? That's what is going on. One world government. Everything has to go to one world government, one world religion, and one world economy. So that the Antichrist can rule over it. Antichrist means instead of Christ. Antichrist means a substitute for Christ. That's what's coming. That's what's happening right now in our world. That's why they're attacking Netanyahu in Israel. And that's why they're attacking the, the, the presidency in America. And they can tell you all these funny things and they can sing Amazing Grace. They can bring Mark Garth Brooks out there and sing Amazing Grace. But it means nothing. It's empty. And it's the same thing in the church today. Listen to me. I don't, I don't know if you guys know it, but in the church today, they do this thing called altar calls. And there's not even an altar in the New Testament. They do these things called altar calls where people pray and say, I believe in Jesus. And do you know that it's nowhere in the Bible? 
That action is nowhere in the Bible. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised you from the dead, you shall be saved. And it has a tense of where you continue to believe and you continue to confess and you live for him. It has nothing to do, but they want you to believe that it's a one-time prayer and you're okay. Now you get to go do whatever you want to do. See, that's not in the Bible. And if you don't read the Bible, you don't know that, but you listen to people who are deceiving you. The only altar that's important in New Testament theology is the altar that's in heaven. The place where we boldly approach the throne of grace. The place where Jesus poured his blood out for us. And I know people have a problem with that. I know we've developed a whole cultural system in Christianity where we go through these little charades and we put on clothes and we do things and we feel good about what we do. But is it biblical or is it a deception? Just like they mouth the words at the, at the inauguration of Joe Biden and they, they sang Amazing Grace, they just mouthed them. And then they got up and did 17 executive orders that all spit in the face of God. And the same thing happens in the church today where people say, I believe, and they say a prayer, and they say they're saved, and they say they're a Christian, but then they go live their life like hell all week long, and they don't even read their Bible. They don't even look to do anything that goes along with Christianity. I'm not being mean to God's bride. I'm sounding an alarm, a bell, that when we follow things that are not even in the Bible, we're being deceived. Salvation means deliverance from that deception. Deliverance from saying no to God. Deliverance back into his house where we begin to learn to obey him. And what we see is the result here. We're going to see the result of the bondage of Israel because they ignored what God said. They ignored his prophets. They went out to war and what happened? Ahab died. Ahab got killed. What happened? Well, he didn't listen to the word of God. Micaiah said, do not go to war against Syria. And what did Ahab say? He looked at Jehoshaphat and said, did I not tell you? He would not say a good thing about us wanting to go to war. And so what did they do with Micaiah? They put him in prison. He said, feed him bread and water. That's all in the last chapter there, the last few verses. He said, feed him bread and water. Till I return from war, Ahab said. And Micaiah said, if you return from war, God has never spoken through me. So as we open this book up, and, and you know, the last verse, the last verses of First Kings says this, chapter or, uh, chapter 22, verse 51. Because Ahab died. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria. In the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. So Jehoshaphat has been on the throne 17 years. And he just made a deal with Ahab. And Ahab ended up dead. And he reigned two years over Israel. That's all Ahaziah lived. Two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And walked in the way of his father. What way was that? Worshipping Baal. And in the way of his mother, Jezebel. And in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Remember Jeroboam? He's the one that made the two golden calves. He was the first one to rebel against Solomon's son, Rehoboam. 
who made Israel sin because they was he made Israel deceived. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. According to all that Ahab and Jezebel did, so did Ahaziah. So now let's look. Chapter 1, 2 Kings, and start reading. I'm not, I thought I could get through the whole chapter, but we're going to be here till midnight if I try to do that. Let's just look. So as we open them, we know that Ahaziah is king in the northern tribes, which called Israel. And Jehoshaphat is in his 17th year in the southern tribe, which is called Judah. So what happened first? It says, Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. This is verse 1. Well, who is Moab? Wow. Moab rebelled. So see, there's a king. Ahab's been king for 40 years. And as soon as the powers change, you see rebellion come. As soon as you see the power change, Moab. Well, Moab comes from Genesis 19.37. If you'll remember, when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, he led righteous Lot out, and Lot took his two daughters and his wife out, and his wife looked back and turned to a pillar of salt, and then both the daughters got dead drunk with wine and slept with him, and they had two children, and the first child was Moab, and, and the second one was Ben-Ammon, and you can read about this in 1937 of Genesis, and they were forever enemies of Israel. These, these Moab and Ammon was the Ammonites uh, were forever enemies with Israel. Well, in 1 Samuel, David fought Moab and took him captive and made him be servants. Let me see if I can get a quote on that. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 2. 1 Samuel 8, 2. Bible sword drills is what we call this. If you can do it. I know I... I am long-winded, but it actually tells us what happened. Did I say 1 Samuel? Is it 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel. I'm sorry. I got to 1 Samuel and it wasn't there. 2 Samuel 8. And you don't have to turn here if, 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 if you don't want to. I'm going to read it to you. But I just want you to know that it's there. It says this. Then David defeated Moab... Forcing them down to the ground, he measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death. And with one full line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. Listen, anytime a people is conquered, they become yours. Slavery's been around since the beginning of creation. It doesn't make it right, but it's been around forever. There's actual more slavery right now than you'd ever imagine. Sex slave market, there's all kinds of slavery going on where those people that are trying to tell us what to do, that are in authority, they are condoning it. They are promoting it. They are the ones running it. And they would look at you and say, that, oh, that's a tinfoil hat. They're the ones that create it because they want to dominate in power. There's a lot of slavery going on right now. Moab, though, they rebelled against Israel after Ahab died. Now look at this. This is some strange stuff. It really is fun, though, to watch. 
Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria. That's where the palace was for the northern kingdom. And was injured. King James says sick. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Belzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness or this injury. Now, let me grab this paperwork over here. Um, give you a little bit of information. Moab means from father. That's what it means, from father. Ab is always father. Ab, when you see that, so you see Ahab, it means brother of his father. They, they rebelled. Moab pulled away from the authority of Israel. And then Ahaziah means Yah has seized. Isn't that interesting? Ahaziah means Yah has seized or Yahweh has seized. Belzebub means Lord of the Flies. But notice what he does. Here's a, here's a king who is supposed, I mean, they've been apostate for a few years now. They've walked away from God. And instead of asking God, instead of asking a prophet, they don't want to hear the word of God. See, that's the issue. I want you to compare this to the church today. Because many people in the church today, if I start talking about the word of God to them, they don't want to hear it. They walk away. They don't want to get out of the conversation. They're like, I don't want to talk about the word of God. Well, why would we not want to talk about the word of God when it's what sets us free? It's the foundation we stand on. It's the truth. And the people of God should be about truth. But you know what? That's what's going on in the planet. The attack is not on uh, you or me or Donald Trump. The attack is on the Word of God. It's always been on the Word of God. It was on the Word of God in the garden. When the devil said to Eve, did God really say? He was saying, is this really God's Word? Is this really what he said to do and not to do? This is all about the attack on God's Word. Why? Because his Word is a person. His word is Jesus Christ. His word is our Savior. His word is our instruction manual. So it, it's all about his word. And so he tells them, the king, Ahaziah, tells them to go inquire of a false god. The Lord of the flies. The Lord of death, really, is who he is. Any false god is in death. You, you, when you go worship a false god, when you go serve a false god, when you go inquire of a false god, you are looking for death. Because the only one that gives life is Jesus Christ. No other god gives life. They're all fake. They're all false. They can't give you anything except lead you into deception and give you death. But notice this, and it's, it's a play on words. Ahaziah sent messengers, and what did he tell them to do? To go and ask questions of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Ekron means recourse. No, it doesn't. Ekron means eradication. It comes from a word that means to exterminate, to pluck up, to hamstring. And so... Why does he do that? Well, this God, uh, Belzebub, is supposed to be a God of prophecy. He can tell you the future. So he wanted to know if he was going to get well. But why does he really do it? Because his parents worship Baal. 
Ahab and Jezebel is Ahaziah's mom and dad. They worship Baal. They didn't train him in the way that they were supposed to go to worship the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. They trained him to worship Baal. So when he gets on the throne, what does he do? He looks to Baal. He sends messengers and wants to know if he's going to recover from his injury. He wants to know the future. Don't you want to know the future? Everybody wants to know the future. Am I going to get sick? Am I going to catch COVID? Everybody wants to know the future. What's Joe Biden going to do next? Will they allow Iran to get a bomb so they can bomb Israel? That's what Israel has claimed they wanted to do forever. Did you guys know that Israel's not even on the map in the Middle East? They took them off the map. They won't let them be on the map. They haven't let them be on the map for hundreds of years because they do not acknowledge that Israel exists because Israel is God's firstborn nation. And the Bible clearly says in the Abrahamic covenant, anyone who blesses Israel will be blessed by God. That's how this nation was blessed. But now we have an administration, Joe Biden, who is never going to bless Israel. In fact, they actually for a moment put up on their website uh, that the ambassador to Israel was actually, his title was going to be changed, the ambassador to Israel, the, the uh, West Bank and uh, Gaza, which West Bank and Gaza has nothing but terrorists in it. But it belongs to Israel, but they've stolen it from Israel, and they want to act like that that's all legitimate property of, of, of the, these terrorists. And then they took it down because they got so much flack real fast about it. So they wanted to change that because we know that the whole world has to turn against Israel in these days. And they are. Right now, every, everybody's against Israel. Everybody. Except for maybe just a small remnant of the church that still prays for Israel. Most of the church, about 95% of the church and all the seminaries have turned against Israel. All the Bible colleges, they've all turned against Israel. And when you turn against Israel, you know what Israel means? It means governed by God. It's God's firstborn son, his firstborn nation, which represented Jesus coming. Anyway, I'll tell you too much information. Let's keep moving. So, Listen, Ahaziah sent out messengers to do what? To ask false gods for truth about life. Listen, what are we doing on our planet today? We ask false gods and false people about life. You know who is life? Jesus is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. He's life. That's who you talk to about life. Watch what happens because he shows up. Verse 3, Jesus shows up. Boy, that'll really get some people going, won't it? You can take your pen and make the A in your Bible a capital A if it's not. But the angel of the Lord. When you see angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's what's called a theophany or a Christophany. It's God in the flesh. It's Because it, Christ has always been. He, did, he was born a babe, yes, but he is God, very God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says in 114 that the Word come to earth and took flesh, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
The Bible tells us that God sent his word to heal the land. He spoke. What did he speak when he spoke? His word and created the heavens and the earth. And all things were made by Jesus. Listen to me. This right here is Jesus himself that shows up. It's a, called a Christophany. It's, a, it's an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And it says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Elijah means the Lord is God, Arise, go up to meet the messenger of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, the Lord of death, the God of Ekron? Listen. Listen to me. God's word, even if this is not even Jesus, if it's not Christophany or Theophany, God in the flesh, and it's just an angel, the word came from God because he says, the Lord says, the Lord says, is it because there's no God? Listen to me. But notice what happens. The word angel actually means messenger. So the king sends a messenger to go to a false god, and God sends an angel, which means messenger, to cut him off, to stop him. Listen to me. This is the important thing. You and I are that messenger. Jesus is that messenger, but then he gave us his spirit. He gave us his word. He gave us the message to go into the marketplace and tell people the truth so that the false gods don't win out in the battle of the marketplace. But the world is listening to the false gods. The world is going to the schools of higher learning. The world is believing in climate change. The world is believing that there's more than male and female. The world is believing that all the lies about killing. You know who they're serving? Bel. Belzebub, the Lord of death. That's what they're believing, his lies. But the church is the light of the world. The church is set here to get in the way of that, to meet them in the path, in the marketplace, and say, no. Is it because there's no God in the church? Is it because God has no power that you would go to the world for your answers? That you would go and listen to the, the things that they call truth? That's what he's saying here to us. This is the example. We're going to run our homes and we're going to go to the world for answers instead of God? He's the truth of the universe. He's a person. And we go ask the world, how should I raise my children? Oh, I shouldn't spank. Well, God says that you should spank. So what does the world do? They make it against the law to spank. So now you have to disobey God or you break the law. Oh, you think that's funny? Well, it gets worse. God says that marriage is a man and a woman. You know what they do? They make it the law that men can marry men and women can marry women. And then they say, you celebrate it with us and you accept it or we are going to punish you. And we're going to say you are speaking hate and you are being mean. And you're not accepting people where they're at and you don't really love. Listen, meeting the messenger in the marketplace and telling the truth is love. If you want to let people live for, the, for Beelzebub, the Lord of death, that's not love. 
If we let people die and go to hell, that's not love. That's what the devil wants us to do. God tells us to go and meet that messenger and stop him and send him back to the king and tell him that's a lie. Is it because you don't want to serve God? You don't want to believe his word? Now look what he says in verse 4. Now therefore, because of all of this is transpiring, thus says the Lord... Listen, this is very important. You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. Listen to me. He wanted to know the future. He wanted to know about his injury. He wanted to know if he was going to live, yet he was serving death. He was serving Beelzebub. He was looking to the fire to get answers, and he got gasoline. God doesn't punish him. God already knew he was going to die. Because in the day that you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you reject God's authority and you shall surely die. Isn't that what he told Adam and Eve? Well, he actually told Adam and Adam didn't really get it across to Eve. And Eve was questioned by the serpent and she ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam fell down on his leadership. But he said... You can eat of all of these trees in the midst of the garden, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Look at this. This is the fruit, but it's not the root. The root is sin. This is the fruit, though. When he dies, that's going to be the fruit of rebellion against God's authority. I'm glad that Jesus died for us because he, listen to what Jesus set us free from this curse. See, the curse of sin is death. But Jesus took our death for us, and he gives us life. And so now we're set free from death so that we can go, oh, man, now I can think, and now I can actually know that I'm not going to die because of my sin, but now I'm free to follow Jesus, and I don't have to sin anymore. Do you understand this? See, I don't have the pressure of performing now because I have freedom in Christ. To follow him because the punishment has been taken at the cross. So when God judges the church, he's not judging them the way that he judges the world that's ignored him. He just spanks their butt and says, get, your, get, get in line, quit doing that. But judgment does start in the house of God. And right now we're going to see it coming down the pike. I'm telling you, prepare your life. Because this is what God does. I heard it today. I was listening to, uh, uh, I don't want to give you his name, but I was listening to a pastor and he said that persecution from the world, the storms of life, is the way that God, in the parable of the sowers, separated true believers from real believers, or from false believers. Is when persecution comes, who's going to stand? Persecution is coming really fast on the church because the church is the only one that proclaims morality. The church is the only one that says marriage is between a man and a woman. Now listen, I'm not against any of the LGBT community. I just don't believe that their way is right because the word of God says it's not. And I want them to go to heaven, so I will tell them the truth that you can't live in sin and go to heaven. You cannot reject God and his word and go to heaven. It never ends well. It never ended good in the Bible ever. It always ends in death. 
And when you reject God's word, you are worshiping Beelzebub, who is the devil, the, the God of death, the father of lies. And God sent his truth so we didn't have to do that. And then he took our punishment so we don't have to worry about being punished as we run this race. See, I'm not going to be punished for any of my sins anymore. Unless, of course, I decide that I can sin anytime I want, any way I want, and I can keep on sinning, and who cares what they say about it. See, that's a heart that doesn't know God. Because the spirit that's in us, if the spirit's in us, it comes in and gives us a desire to follow Jesus. And then it makes us mourn over our sin when we know that we've fallen short of the glory of God. So God sends a messenger to tell him, like, listen, when you have no God in your life, you surely are going to die. And that's what he said to Ahaziah. This injury that you have because you're fallen, fallen through the lattice. Look at the analogy. Look at the picture that's being painted. He has fallen and he's looking to the God of death and he wants to have life. And God says, you'll surely die in this fallen state. And then verse 5 says, And when the messengers returned to him, they come back to the king. He said to them, Why have you come back? He's like freaking out. I sent you to Ekron. That's, that's 22 miles away. And you're already back? So they said to him, A man came to meet us and said to us, Go, return to the king who sent you, and say to him, Thus says the Lord. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. There's your second witness. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's There's power in the word of God. That's why the people of God are supposed to tell people what the word of God says, whether they want to hear it or not. But you know what? It's getting ready to become hate speech. Underneath Joe Biden... Preaching the word of God will become hate speech. I'm just telling you. It's already in other countries. It's, it's been for years. They've been trying, the Democrats have been trying to pass a bill that makes it hate speech to preach Romans chapter 1. They've been trying to pass it for 25 years. And now they have the Congress, they have the Senate, and they have the presidency, and nobody can stop them from passing the bill. Watch what happens underneath this demonic environment. Now listen, Republican or Democrats, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you're underneath the authority of the world, you're underneath the authority of Beelzebub, you're underneath the authority of the devil. So it doesn't matter. Because see, my king is Jesus. He still has dominion. He's still on the throne. He's still telling me to go out and be bold and speak truth. Because when you speak truth, people have a choice to make. And if you make the choice to keep following the lie, you're following the devil. So there's power in the word of God. Notice these men. Do you remember what happened when they told him to go arrest Jesus? You remember that they sent that the, the Pharisees got mad and they sent guards and they come back and they go, Where is he? And they go, Nobody ever spoke like that before. They didn't even arrest him. They heard his words and they couldn't arrest him. Well, look here. Same thing happened. When Elijah spoke, these men turned around and went back to the king. They heard truth. They went back and told the king truth. The king said this. Verse 7. What kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these words? Now, that's a curious thing to say, isn't it? He was a man of God. 
But it's a curious thing to say. And he should have repented. He should have said, thus says the Lord, you're going to die. His choice was to repent. Why am I seeking the God of Ekron, Belzebub, and God just told me I'm going to die? Listen, that's the, that's, the, that's the truth. They used to get mad at hell, hellfire and brimstone preachers. But the truth is, is, we don't come underneath the authority of God. We're going to die. We're going to die the second death and go to hell. If we don't come to the authority of God because the authority of God is held in Jesus' name. And all this, all this stuff we're preaching in the church today going, well, you've got to love them. And you're not allowed to ever say anything bad. And you can't do anything mean. And you've got to be nice and have good earthly manners. That's not biblical. Jesus made a whip and beat people and threw them out of the temple. Jesus called them whitewashed fences and brood of vipers. Jesus got serious with people about truth because he didn't want them to go to hell. He wanted to confront them in their sin. He wasn't mean. He just told them the truth. They wouldn't let Jesus in the church today. It's his church. Why, is it, why does Revelation 3.20 say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus does. He can't get in his own church. We've ignored what God has said and who he is. He can't even, he says, I'm standing at the door knocking, and if anyone will open the door and let me in, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. We've made up some cleaned up Jesus when he came down to save us, and we keep pushing him back out the door. And we made up our own little religion. That's what they've done. They reject the authority, and they end up serving Baal's above, and they think they're serving a God that can tell them the future. I can tell you the future. If we don't serve Jesus, we will surely die. And the only thing you can do is surrender to his truth. And it's in this book. And it's in your heart if you have the spirit of God. And we don't quench it. So he asked who he was. Who told you these words? He wanted to see what he looked like, right? Verse 8 says, 8 is the number of new beginnings. So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. Did you hear that? And he said, he knew exactly who it was. It's Elijah the Tishbite. Or Elijah the Tishbite. Listen to me. They could recognize the man of God. You see him? He had on a, a three-piece suit, had a neat haircut, and he was being real nice and mannerly. I'm being facetious. This dude would be kicked out and put in a mental institution and given medication. In our day, he's a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist telling the king what to do. They would put him in a mental institution today. This is what John the Baptist looked like, by the way. And he was probably wearing goat skin and not as hairy as he just had hairy clothing. The king knew instantly who he was. He knew he was the true prophet of God who had put to death the, the prophets of Baal, 800 and some of them, on the Mount Carmel. His mom probably told him stories about this all his life. So now, let's do this quickly and we'll close this, but I'm going to finish it because it gets kind of weird. And I want you guys to hear it. Oh, it's really weird. You can use that word. So what does the king do who thinks he's in authority and he's the power because he's the king? Watch what it says. Then the king sent to him, more messengers, captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he sends him 
50 men and so he went up to the him and there he was sitting on top of a hill and he spoke to him look what he says he says man of God so he knows his title man of God the king said come down so Elijah answered here's the answer and said to the captain of 50 if I am a man of God then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men and fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men then he sent to him another captain of 50 with 50 men watch this and he answered and said to him man of God thus as the king said come down quickly notice one word is added because the king is impatient he's saying now you're wasting my time Elijah get down here quickly remember for three years Elijah hid from his dad and they couldn't find him anywhere so he's trying to force his authority an earthly government force his authority on the word of God the prophet of God and make it happen the way he wants it to happen and he says the same thing though look at this this is amazing see what they're really doing is basically disrespecting the word of God and the prophet of God and the truth of God and in their pride they're saying you're not the authority over us so at verse 12 he says Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. You'd think he would have learned something from the first ones. How do we know that he knows about the first ones? Look at the third ones. Again, he sent a third captain of 50 and his 50 men. And the third captain of 50 went up, listen to what he did, and came and fell on his knees before Elijah. Notice the respect. Notice the humility. Notice that he understands the veracity, the truthfulness of the word of God and the prophet of God. And he's heard the message, the testimony that these other 102 men have died because they didn't respect the word of God. See, everybody's going to get burned up in fire soon. And I think that's what this represents. Those who reject the authority, those who try to boss the word of God around, they will burn up with fire. But those who come and bow down, humble themselves in humility, and respect the word of God. And look what he does. He besought him as King James. My new King James says he pleaded. He's on his knees before Elijah because Elijah represents God. The word of God. We bow down to it on our knees. We don't worship it. We worship Jesus. He besought with him and said to him, now listen, you'll see how good of a leader this was. You'll see how good his heart was by what he says, what he does. You'll see the difference in him because he trusts God, believes God, and he sees the testimony of God because he sees the other men die who would not listen to the authority of God's word. Watch what he says. Man of God, this is in humility. This isn't really... It's kind of like, you know what, when you tell somebody the word of God in society, they go, word of God, who believes that? We got scientists. We got science now. All the scientists say that climate change is real. All the scientists say that, that, that God is not real. He's dead. See, they, they mock you. And that's what the first two captains were doing. They were mocking Elijah when they called him a man of God. They're mocking the word of God and the messenger of God. And mockers are everywhere. Listen, though, this man believe God and he said man of God and he did it with a good title please let my life he knew it was a life and death matter do you understand that the word of God and salvation is life and death 
he says, please let my life, and then his heart comes out, and the life of these men that I'm over. See, when you're concerned about other people, that's a character of God. Because God died for other people, for all people. But now, now with everything going on in the world, you know, I hear people going, well, what am I going to do? Well, how about worried about your kids and your grandkids and the other people around you? How about being concerned about other people's life? Because that's what the messengers of God does. That's what Christ did. He's concerned with others. Because when you only worry about yourself, listen to me, when you only worry about yourself, it'll kill you. It's worshiping the devil. That's why psychology is killing people. That's why AA programs are killing people. All they're worried about is self. They tell you to find a God of your own understanding and take care of self. You've got to take care of yourself. No, no, no. God says you've got to serve others. You've got to lay your life down. You've got to give yourself away. You've got to understand there's nothing good in you. It's a total different, total different message. And it's the only way that we can have life is when we're concerned with other people's lives. Because when you serve others, God will take care of you. But he says, please let my life and the life of these 50 men, these 50 servants, notice who they are, these servants of yours. See, when you humble yourself to the word of God, you become a servant of God. You become a servant of the word of God, handing it out. He doesn't say we're servants of Ahaziah. He just came from Ahaziah. But he's, these are servants of yours. Let us be precious in your sight. Isn't that what you want to do? You, don't you want to be precious in God's sight? Listen, he loves us. He loves his creation. But he hates sin. He hates pride, arrogance, and the evil way. And these first two captains and this king are full of pride, arrogance, and the evil way. But this one comes and bows down in humility and wants to hear the truth, wants to respect the word of God and the man of God. And his life is going to get spared by a direct word from God. He says in 14, look, fire has come down. So this is how I know the first, the second king, second set of 50, they knew what happened. Because this guy knew. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of 50s with their 50s. But let my life now be precious in your sight. Say that to God. Fire is going to burn up the enemies of the cross. But let my life be precious in your sight. Lord and the angel capital angel of the Lord said to Elijah he spoke clearly because that's how the word came to people in the Old Testament was through the prophet now we have his written word made more sure go down with him do not be afraid of him listen you do not have to be afraid of earthly government you do not have to be afraid of anybody if you have the word of God and the truth of God the righteous are bold as lions Fear is what the devil uses. It's what they're using right now to keep us hid in our homes, to keep us shut up, to keep us... It's all fear. Fear controls people. Look at this. So he arose and went down with him to the king. Notice whose word Elijah is obeying. Not the king. He doesn't get his orders from the king. You should not get your orders from the world. You should not go where the world tells you to go, but you should pray about it and go where God tells you to go. Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire. Well, notice the message doesn't change. Notice what they're talking about doesn't change at all. 
Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? See that? Now we get the word there, to inquire of God's word. It's capital in the King James. It's not capital letters in this one, but a capital word is the word himself. Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Same message, same truth, does not change with the word of God. So Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord, and so will everyone who rejects the word of the Lord. And Elijah, as Elijah had spoken, because he had no son, Joram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Now that's not the book of Chronicles, the first and second Chronicles. First and second Chronicles covers the life of Judah's kings. This book, we don't know where it's at. But notice this, that Jehoram becomes king. And actually there's a, uh, uh, two different Jehorams pronounced there. You can see it, and we'll talk about it next week as we kick off. Uh, 3, 1, and 8, 16 both tell us what's going on. That Jehoram is uh, uh, a king, or another son of Ahab, but also Jehoram is Jehoshaphat's son. So at one time, there's going to be two Jehoram's king, and it gets confusing when you have the same name. But they're actually spelled a little bit different if you look in 8.16 of 2 Kings. And um, it's not as confusing as you think. But it can be if you don't understand that there's two kings, that there's two nations, and only one of them is the true king. And it's the same way it is in our world today. King Jesus is the only true king. And if you follow the authority of this world and of our of, of, of the leaders of this world they will lead you into hell they are listening to Beelzebub the Lord of death they're listening to Satan because 1 John 5 19 tells us I know you're of God but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one so read chapter 2 for next week we're going to see the end of Elijah's ministry and the beginning of Elisha's ministry and we'll learn about discipleship because listen in your life you should be training somebody else to do what you do you should not be an island of your own but you should be feeding somebody else what you know that is what i'm learning to do from here is to disciple a room full of people you should be looking to disciple somebody because you know what when we were living in sin we were discipling people. Living for Christ and having life and that more abundantly, it's so much more important that we teach people how to pray, how to read the Word of God, how to learn the Word of God, and how to stay in righteousness rather than practice unrighteousness. That's how you stay in life, and that's how you end up in heaven. Father, thank you for your Word. Lord, there's so much there but we know that the answer is Jesus and that there's life in no other name there's salvation in no other name there's deliverance in no other name but the name of Jesus so we pray you would bind the devil away from us you would bind the lie and help us to see it clearly when it comes across because we know you 
Thank you that your Holy Spirit will show us truth. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is working in us. And we pray that you would lead us. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. We give you praise and thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord